Good morning. Pastor Rob, welcome to the 1030 service. Glad you're here this morning. We are in the fourth message, if you have not been with us, um, in this series called Telling Secrets, which is a study in the Gospel of Matthew. So you have a copy of the Bible. You can open it up and turn it on. Um, In the parables of Jesus. So the Gospel of Matthew, parables of Jesus. This morning we're in chapter 18. So uh, find your way to Matthew chapter 18 in a message about the importance of extending forgiveness to others in your life and my life as a follower of Jesus. In the parable, what's titled, Matthew 18, of the unforgiving servant. So we're at Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. I will read, follow along uh, as I read this morning. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and hid the man, uh, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and your sister from your heart. First thing I think this parable tells us is the gospel tells us the truth about ourselves. The gospel tells us the truth about ourselves. One thing to keep in mind as we're reading these parables, as we've done these uh, four weeks so far anyway, is the audience of these parables, right? The audience of these parables is not the general public, okay? Jesus always had the general public in mind, I think, but it's the disciples, right? If you remember back, we started this four weeks ago. Jesus, the, the disciples say, Jesus, why do you speak in parables? Why have you changed your style of communication 
all of a sudden, ipso facto, you know. You used to always talk in sort of, you know, chapter and verse. You know, you talk about what the prophet this or that said, and then you'd give a sermon, like the Sermon on the Mount. But now all of a sudden you're talking in these word pictures, and what gives? And Jesus says, I'm doing this for a reason. Because the secrets of the kingdom, those are Jesus' words, where we get the title of this series. The secrets of the kingdom, that is, the, the, more, the deeper truths of what it means to walk with God, the kingdom of God. I want them to be given to you. They are given to you, disciples, right? He's speaking to his committed followers, but to others, they're not given, right? So he's speaking to people, you might say, who are already committed followers. You have to keep that in mind when you're trying to understand what's being said. He's not talking to the general public. He's not trying to convince people about something. He's trying to teach those who are already committed followers a deeper truth or deeper truths about what it means to walk with God. That's what he's talking about. When I was um, growing up, I grew up in a family of, a big family, six kids. And when you grow up in a family with six kids, some of you know this, you know, um, not only do you have, you know, all these different uh, personalities and your brothers and sisters, but you have all their friends, right? And our house was like that. You know, we'd have, you know, any number of friends over the course of a week or a month, you'd have so-and-so's friend, my brothers or sister's friends that would be over for dinner, for lunch, overnight, you know, whatever the case may be. And even at times throughout my, let's say, my main growing up years, we even had some people live with us, you know, this cousin or this friend of a friend for short seasons of time. And I noticed in those years that my mother in particular, that there were different styles of communication depending on who she was talking to relative to her actual blood children and those who were cousins or, or friends. You know, one of my friends or one of my cousins might say, Jay, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Catalani, you know, do you, what do you think about such and such? And she might say, well, honey, uh, that's not, uh, I don't think that's a very good idea. I don't think that's a very good idea to do this or to do that. And then later, when I'd ask the same question, she'd say, I go, Mom, what do you think about this? She'd go, over my dead body you're gonna go here or you're gonna go there now what's the idea well well, well it, it when it's your parents some of you who have kids know this you know you can be a little less filtered you can even seem to be a little less kind right like let's say you happen to hear over here that and you're the friend you think wow that was a different answer than I got but you can be a little less filtered same happens with husbands and wives a little less kind why because there's an underlying reality there. There's an assumption that there's a quality of love that you have with your children that, is, that you don't always have with your children's friends or with your uh, nieces or your nephews, right? Well, that's what I think is going on here. When you get to the end of this parable, I hope, I hope this raises questions for you, right? Because at the end, in verse 35, he unpacks it. We know, we're not, we know who we're talking about. This is how my heavenly Father will treat you. Right? There's no more metaphor. Now he's talking directly to the disciples. He's talking, unless you forgive your, your, your friends from heart, what is it that my heavenly Father will do? He's going to, in anger, he's going to throw you in jail until you should pay back everything he owes. And you think, Wow. Am I missing something? Is this, is this a new plan of salvation? Because everything I understood about the Bible, and, and maybe this, some of you would say this, is I thought the gospel of Jesus Christ was, was about God's grace. And he, what Jesus did on the cross, he died for our sins. He paid, he paid for all of my sins. 
And all of a sudden, you know, and, and, you know, for every sin that I've ever committed or ever will commit, this is what the gospel says, I've been forgiven completely my slate, your slate, has been wiped clean if you've embraced the gospel message because of what Jesus Christ has done. This seems to make an exception. Well, that's true, except if you have an unforgiving spirit or you're an unforgiver, well, in that case, that's a special category, and you're going to be thrown into prison and, and, uh, and, and until you pay back everything you owe. And God's angry at you. Well, I don't think that's what's being said, because this is a parable. You have to remember that. He's, t- he's, he's telling a story, and he's talking to committed followers. Here's my translation. Here's what I think Jesus is saying in this parable, especially verses 34 and 35. He's, he's, he's got close. He's talking to his disciples. And they're listening very carefully. Remember, the secrets of the kingdom are for you. They're not for others. And he's saying, listen, this whole thing about forgiveness illustrated in this parable of the guy gets forgiven by God and then he has an opportunity to forgive others. And this guy doesn't do that. He chooses to say no. Even though you only owe me 100 silver coins, I'm going to throw you in jail. I think Jesus is saying this. You will treat other people like this over my dead body, okay? This is what Jesus is saying. In other words, he's, he's talking to the disciples. The other thing that he's doing, okay, in this passage, the gospel tells us the truth about ourselves. He's Jesus knows us, God knows me, God knows you better than you know yourself, okay? This is why the Bible is so important to us. If I didn't have the Bible, I wouldn't have a good self-image. I wouldn't understand how God has made me and God has made other people. Even Christians, listen carefully, often live their life motivated by, illustrated in this parable, self-interest and self protection, right? When you are encounter other people, especially people who owe you something, you and I are often guided by self-interest. Does this meet my needs? Does this serve my needs? Does this help me out? Or self-protection, especially if you've hurt me. And you will say, well, Rob, why is that true? Why is it even being illustrated in this parable? It's not because some people are brought up in X families and some people are brought up in Y families. Self-interest, being motivated by self-interest, being motivated by self-protection is the default position of the human heart, okay? It's true for every single person that has ever lived. The gospel tells us the truth about ourselves. Just because you're a Christian, just because I'm a Christian, I think this is a part of the story here, does not mean that you are going to treat people any differently than you ever did before you were a Christian, right? That's what I think it's saying. It's, it's why, for instance, some people say this, there are, to, to the degree that this is true, there's so many hypocrites in the church, okay? There are some. Why are there hypocrites in the church? Maybe you, maybe me. Or why at times do I seem to be hypocritical in that as I do things or I say things that seem to be against my principles? Well, nobody wakes up and says, today I want to violate my own thinking and my own principles. Nobody wants to be a hypocrite. We are hypocrites. I am a hypocrite at time. You're a hypocrite at time because you can't help it, okay? Because the default position of the human heart 
is self-interest and self-protection. The servant's unwillingness, this is, I think, the teaching here, to pay this mercy forward is perhaps a sign. Why did he have this amazing gift, right? 10,000 bags of gold. I cancel the debt. I forgive it. I'm letting it go. Why did he not react in the same way to this man who offended him in a much smaller way? Well, why didn't he pay it forward? Perhaps it's a sign that he has not experienced the forgiveness of God, right? Maybe the gratitude, think about your life, maybe the gratitude that you once had has worn off. Maybe you or I, this uh, parable, this person, feels entitled to God's grace. See, I'm entitled to it. Uh, you know, God, I'm entitled to God's forgiveness, but others aren't entitled to mine. Maybe that's the case. Or maybe God's forgiveness was never present in this person's life, in your life, in my life, to begin with. Maybe, okay, I don't know, I can't see every face in this room. Maybe even if you're in church today and you go, go to church regularly, maybe you're not a Christian yet. Okay. In other words, the, 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 the forgiveness of Jesus Christ has not captured your heart. It's not captured your imagination. Becoming a Christian is not about living like a Christian. Becoming a Christian is about having a supernatural change in your heart where you're released and forgiven of sin and then you begin to live out of that forgiveness. You say, well, that's bad news. The gospel tells us the truth about ourselves, but there's still time. Okay, your life is not over. My life is not over. The gospel tells us the truth about ourselves. Second thing I think this passage tells us is this, the heart of it. What has been done to us between the king and his servant is to be done by us. That's the whole point of this, right? What has been done to us God has given us this tremendous forgiven 10,000 bags of gold. He canceled the debt. He forgave them and he let them go. Is to be done by us. That's the teaching at the heart of this parable. Tim Keller. Only in a heart that feels absolutely loved is a lie unnecessary. Let me give it to you again. Only in a heart that feels absolutely loved is a lie unnecessary. I think it's the point of this parable. Keep in mind that a parable, it's a made-up story, okay? And it's a made-up story so that the details can be whatever they want them to be. There's no mistake here that these two servants... Okay, that is the servant that receives the first act of forgiveness, right? The guy at the center of this story, the girl at the center of the story. And the second servant who, is the, who, who now encounters the forgiven servant, their, their words when they're called on their debt are not kind of like each other. They're exactly the same words. Be patient with me and uh, I will pay everything back. Well, why are they exactly the same? Is this a coincidence? No, it's a made-up story. 
you're supposed to be reading this and you're supposed to, in a way, be comparing this. And I'm guessing for the first time you read it and you say, well, this guy's been given this great forgiveness. He just said, just give me the time and I'll pay you back, even though it would be virtually impossible to pay back such a great debt. And the master says, I'm gonna cancel the debt. I'm gonna let you go. And now, you know, it's like a movie, right? You know, it's, 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 it's you, know, uh, uh, you know, meanwhile, his, some other guy comes up to him and he says the exact same words, please forgive me and begs me and I, and I, will, forg- and, and I will pay you back. And you're saying, oh, he's gonna do exactly what was done with him. I see this coming forward, right? But he doesn't do that. And it's magnified, I should say. Okay, it's the same exact plea, but it's magnified by the very different size of the debt. Okay, it's a made-up story. Now, let me do this quickly. You know, 10,000 bags of gold versus 100 silver coins. Or if you have an older translation or a different translation, it might say... um, Talents, 10,000 talents, and 100 denarii. Let's stick for that for a minute. These are actual denominations. The bag of gold, or the talent, okay, is the largest designation for money in the Hellenistic or the Greek system in when the Bible was written. It's the biggest one. It's like, I guess for us case, it would be billions or zillions. It was the largest way to talk about money was the talent. And the smallest coin or the smallest denomination was the denarii, which was actually one day's wage. If you were not a doctor or a lawyer, but a, a day laborer, you would get one silver coin or one denarii for a day's work. So in a year, you'd get 365 of them if you work seven days a week. Now, but by comparison, okay, one talent equaled what roughly comes out to be, okay, you can do a little study on your own, but let me save you the time. One talent worked out to be about 20 years of a silver coin a day. So that if I was a day laborer, I worked in this community, which was most people. There were rich people, but most people were not. If I was a day laborer, I would learn if I lived a long life and had a full career without being sick, I would accumulate about two and a half talents in my entire life. So what's the point? If you do the math, and some people do this, I don't know that we're supposed to do the math, or in other words, we kind of miss the point, but some of us are like that, you know? But I think what it, it would be this. It would be the equivalent, in modern day equivalents, people do this, you know, in your study Bible, et cetera. Between about $12,000, which is about um, three and a half months of wages in, of, a, of a day laborer, minimum wage person, in this culture, $12,000 versus about six or seven billion dollars, 10,000 bags of gold, okay? The point is this, it's not the language of calculation, it's the language of exaggeration, right? The point is, it's beyond human calculation, it's an impossible sum, here's the point. Every person, in this room owes a debt to God that you could never, ever, ever pay. You don't have the means to pay it. Even if you're the sultan of fill in the blank, Jesus constructed this story that no one, Caesar himself, 
would not have 10,000 bags of gold, right? No one could pay it. And it's only when this mercy captures your imagination and God's grace continually fills your mind and fills your heart, okay? You have to preach the gospel to yourself over and over and over again. That's why the sums are so vastly different. It's only when that mercy captures your imagination and the grace of God truly fills your heart and fills your mind that your life actually begins to change and you grow capable of loving other people in a way that you weren't able to love other people before. What has been done to us must be done by us. This parable is about the responsibility of the forgiven. Forgiveness comes without condition. You've heard me say that or other pastors or preachers say that. God's grace is free. For God so loved the world that he gave, key verb, no payment, no earn it. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him has everlasting life. It comes without conditions, but it comes with responsibilities. Listen carefully. All forgiveness, every kind, includes payment. Only Jesus can die for someone's sin. That's the heart of the payment at the gospel that I can't do. But all forgiveness, even human forgiveness to each other, includes payment and you and I can't die for other sins, but we can choose to experience loss for the benefit of another person, right? Think about this. If I have something really valuable, say it's a material possession, it could be, a, it could be anything. It could be a piece of equipment. It could be, you know, um, an automobile. It could be, you know, my lake house. I had one, but anyway, the point is, anything that I let you borrow, you could potentially, not on purpose, you could damage it and say, gee, I borrowed this, but I, here it is. It's damaged. And now, I have a choice to make when that happens. You have a choice to make. I can either have you pay me back what the, the, the damage, or you can offer to do that, or I can absorb that loss myself. But somebody has to pay. Either way, somebody pays. And by the way, it happens in immaterial things as well. right? You might criticize me. I might be criticized in a way that's maybe even unfair. And you've damaged my reputation. right? Or someone has damaged your reputation. Someone could take an opportunity from me. Maybe it's in your office or in your, in, your, in your neighborhood. I don't know, whatever the case may be. And somebody may actually get a job that you deserved. Maybe they even did it underhandedly. They have taken something that belongs to you. It's immaterial in a manner. It's not a house. It's not a car. But it's an opportunity. They can take that from you. It's a real loss. Listen, somebody could sleep with your wife. Right? And sleep with your husband. That's taking something from you. And when they do that, you've experienced a real loss. And in a manner of speaking, they owe you something. Now, when that happens, this is what this parable is about. Okay? Unless, so will my heavenly father treat you if you do not forgive your brother and your sister from your Hearts, okay? Now, you have a choice, and I have a choice to make. Number one, you can decide to exact revenge, okay? 
a pound of flesh for a pound of flesh. The second thing you can do, maybe many of us wouldn't do that because we're Christians, maybe. But you can decide not to exact revenge, but you can just secretly um, sort of root for their failure and for their suffering, right? You're carrying around, you're nursing a grudge, even though you have a smile on your face uh, when asked about it. Or you can decide to choose to forgive them, right? Now, this last choice is the heart. Why is that the, la- the hardest, the, the forgiving, choosing to forgive the hardest? Because to do it, you have to deny yourself something, right? Because something is owed you in this situation. Here's, you say, that sounds so wonderful on paper. How in the world do you do it? Listen carefully and we're done. The most important verse in this parable is verse 27. It's the, it's, it's the actions of the king. But by the time you get to the verse 35, that's the one you're going to memorize, you're realizing that the, at, the actions of the king to his servant number one is supposed to be a model for your life and my life with other people. Three things he does. He took pity on him, verse 27, the one who offended him, the one who owed him this great debt. He chose to cancel the debt and he let him go. Ephesians 4.32, listen carefully. This is Paul, the apostle, saying similar words to the congregation in Ephesus. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, 10,000 bags of gold, God forgave you. The challenge at the heart of this parable, verse 35, Um, that the challenge that's for you and me in reading this and absorbing it is to the best of our ability, to the best of my ability, to never, ever give up on anyone, okay? Never give up on anyone who has offended you, that has offended me, who's damaged something of mine, material or immaterial, because of what God has done for you. Because when I choose to do that, to take pity, to cancel the debt, and to let something go, that I, I, I'm not, it's not, it's not, it's not makes sense, it's not logical, uh, it's not because it's right, it's actually right not to let them go. It's, it's, it's right to have them pay their bill to you. But when I choose to do that, I'm demonstrating a little bit of the love of God to another person in a way that nothing else ever can, okay? Now, some of you listen to this message and you say, well, you know, Rob, I, I'm kind of with you. It's a good message. Better than your last two, you know, whatever. But I mean, I get it. It makes sense to me. But right now I have to say that I'm kind of clean. I don't have anybody in my life that I can think of that I actually need to apply this to. And I would kind of say, as I thought about this uh, this week, I think I'm in that boat with you. As of October 27th, uh, 2019, I don't think, maybe someone will remind me before the day is over, I don't feel like I have anybody um, that I need to do business with, that I need to forgive, that I need to cancel the debt, that I need to let it go. I don't feel like it. But here's what I would say to you and I would say to me. Uh, It's only a matter of time. 
okay? Because it's not always murder and adultery and your lake house. It's a thousand smaller things, slights and, um, and um, uh, you know, uh, unkindnesses. It's death by a paper cuts, so to speak. And those things, offenses will come. And I want to encourage me and I want to encourage you and I want to encourage all of us to learn how to do this. Because this is how the world, in a manner of speaking, is one to the gospel. It's not a proposition. It's, it's a demonstration. Now, three things and we're done. Very quickly. Rob, how do I do this? How do you do this? How do I take it from theory to practice? Verse 27. I'm going to say this in just a few minutes. Jesus Christ is our example. Remember what he said to the disciples in John 13? He washed their feet. He said, listen, you know, um, what I have done to you, now you need to do to one another. This is how men and women will know you are my disciples. When you love others the way that I have loved you. That's the heart of this whole message. Now, three things. First one is taking pity, verse 27, which I think in another translation might say compassion. But those two words, take pity, it's one Greek word and it's what it means. For your heart to go out to somebody. That's what it really means. You've heard that, 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 that phrase. My heart goes out to somebody. What it means is this in the context of forgiveness. It means this. John, I have to pick on you because you shouldn't sit there, okay? But in other words, John has done X to me. And I say to my, I'm, I'm mad, I'm hurt, I'm angry. He's, he owes me in a manner of speaking. And I say to myself, I'm mad and I want you to pay me back when one way or another because you've done something to me that really hurts, okay? But what it means for my heart to go out to him is to say this. I need to, this is why the gospel tells us the truth about ourselves. I need to say, although I haven't done that to you, maybe I've never done that to anybody in my entire lifetime, but I have to come to the place and say, I could do that, you see? See, many of us, we, we don't really spend much time in God's word. We don't have a realistic view and understanding of who we are. But if the more I have a realistic understanding of who I am, this is what I realize. God has, a, there, there's enough love from the Father, the King, to forgive him for what he's done, you know, in spite of his wrongdoing. That same love applies to me, to forgive me for what God knows I could do. And the first thing that you and I need to do to live out this principle is you need to put yourself in the driver's seat of the person who has offended you. And you need to say, you know what? I could do that too. My heart, I have to identify. Think about Jesus who died on a cross. You know, many people, maybe even today, but Jesus Christ, when he was sitting there on the cross, um, that, that instrument, and it doesn't happen in our day, but it, 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 if you were in Palestine, Jesus wasn't the first person crucified. Thousands of people, tens of thousands perhaps were crucified. It was a Roman form of punish, capital punishment. But anybody that was on a cross, you, know, you, didn't, you immediately knew this person was guilty of a capital crime. Right? That's why you were up there. They had, they had a court system there. But Jesus, okay, Jesus as we know, did not commit a capital crime, he didn't commit any crimes, right? There was no sin in him. But he was willing to identify, not just die for our sins, but he basically was labeled 
Okay, he identified with sinful, with the worst in all of us when he hung on a cross. He had compassion. His heart went out to you. His heart went out to me. And he was willing to suffer um, an association, an identification. That's the first. If you cannot identify the crime that's happened to you in your own life, you'll never be able to forgive anybody. The gospel tells us the truth about ourselves. Okay. Second thing, you need to cancel the debt. You say, oh, that's, so, that's, that's great. How do you do that? There's only one way you can do it, which is why this parable is so important. You need to find release in God's grace, not in another person's suffering. Why did Jesus have this extreme example of 10,000 bags of gold, which represents God's love to us? He's saying, listen, as you get ready to nurse that grudge, to revisit that debt, to want to carry it around with you. See, the person who's suffering is you. It's me because I'm carrying that burden around with me. And the only way I can cancel, I can't just say, be gone, right? It doesn't happen because of our hearts, self-interest, self-protection. We're human beings. I have to go and find release in the 10,000 bags of gold. It's only as I find release in what God has done for me, I need to rehearse that, I need to go back to that, that I'm able then to say, although you did owe me 100 silver coins, you did ruin my reputation. You hurt me deeply. God's love is so rich, so in my life, I'm going to cancel the debt that you owe because of the much larger debt that has been canceled on my account. You with me? And the last thing you need to do and this may be where some of us are stuck. You need to let it go, okay? You need to open that little birdcage and you need to let that thing go. You need to stop thinking about it. You need to steep, you know, it's like you know, sometimes I, you know, uh, I, I was not too long ago, this might have been half a year ago, I was looking for a book, my basement's all junk like yours is, you know, and you come across this old picture book and all of a sudden, Oh, I forgot about that guy. You know, you see this, this old scrapbook thing. You know, you carry it around with you. You haven't really let it go. You have to let it go. And the only way you can do that is the ten thousand bags of gold, guys. That's what Jesus is saying. What has been done to us? You gotta remember what God has done for you. And in light of what God has done for me, the debt that he's canceled, the 10,000 bags of gold, listen, John, the 100 silver coins you owe me, it's not a big deal. I'm gonna let it go, amen? Last verse of scripture. Listen carefully to these words. Therefore, same message to the church in Colossae. As God's chosen people, See, that's where the secrets of the kingdom. He's saying, listen, this is for you guys and ladies. You're already on the team. For God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Okay? Clothe yourselves with compassion. Identify with others. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone... Forgive as the Lord forgave you. How do you do that? You have to cancel the debt. Take pity. Identify with other people. Put yourself in the driver's seat and realize that you could do 
what was done to you. You may have never done it, but you could. You are capable. And God's forgiving not only them for what they've done, he's going to forgive you for what he knows you could do. Take pity. Cancel the debt, right? Don't carry it around. Cancel it. And let it go. Amen? All right, stand with me. We're going to pray and be done. But as you think, as, I, as we pray this prayer, it's what I want you to think about. Now, some of you would say, you know, Rob, as I said, Rob, I'm good. I'd say, great. You know, you know, you, you're, you know you're in a good spot. But um, you won't be there forever. Not because you're a bad person or you're a, you're a sucker, you know, for people's, uh, uh, to take advantage of you. No, but because it's the nature of life. You know, I, this, a whole other sermon. I could give a whole sermon this morning, which I'm not going to be, just not for married couples, okay? The Bible says this, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, what in the world does that mean? Sounds very, you know, Bible-ish, you know. Well, let me tell you what it means. It doesn't, Christ didn't love us because he took us out to the movies or he bought us um, a gift. What it means when it says, love your spouse as Christ loved the church, it means forgiveness. That's all it means. The only way that Christ loved me, or the main way that he loved me, I should say, is he forgave me of my sins. Okay? This is the heart of the whole idea. So I want you to be thinking this morning as we close, and I'm done. I'm just going to say a prayer of maybe there's someone does come to mind for some of the rest of us. You already know. You've been carrying this around, this grudge, this, this, this. Maybe the person's even dead, doesn't matter. Right? Take pity. Cancel the debt and let it go. Amen? Let's pray. Our God and Father, help each of us today to know more fully what it is you have done for us in Jesus Christ. In him, a debt of sin we could never pay has been completely forgiven. May this knowledge sink deeper into our hearts that we might love others the way that you have loved us. And in doing this, be your disciples to a lost and hurting world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday.